0: Somebody came in a week before I purchased it and wanted to purchase it the day I closed on it. And so I made a full 30,000 same day that I closed on the property.
1: Flipping projects possible all across the country. If you don't know about Patch of Land, then they are the number one company to go to for uh, projects that you're flipping. uh, Because they have all the money available right now. Um, Once you get approved for your, your deal and yourself as a sponsor or a borrower... Um, You're going to be funded by them. And then they go raise the money through their crowdfunding platform. So you don't have to worry about all that. They'll take care of the the money and the funding for you. You just have to worry about making sure your project's a success. Uh, They've got something really cool for you so um, if you are just learning about crowdfunding uh, they've come up with a guide it's called the top 10 crowdfunding questions guide and they're all the, the questions that you might be asking yourself and they're all the answers they don't leave you hanging they got answers too. all the answers to those, those 10 crowdfunding questions so you can go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide Uh, and if you think you know everything about crowdfunding, I check this guide out just in case because there are some interesting aspects that you'll learn. So go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Best ever listeners, how's it going? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless and this is a show all about getting the best real estate investing advice ever, cutting out all of that fluffy stuff and uh, getting straight to the insights that help you move your real estate investing business forward. We've talked to all sorts of successful real estate investors from Barbara Corcoran, who uh, our guest today has a friendship with. We'll talk a little bit about that to Robert Kiyosaki, to um, really just the, the top of the top and the best of the best real estate investors out there. And I'm pleased to speak to today, Amanda Howard, and have her on the show. How you doing, Amanda?
0: I'm doing great, Jill.
1: Nice to have you on the show. And uh, Amanda is joining us from Huntsville, Alabama, where she is the founder and CEO of Amanda Howard Real Estate. And she and her team served 517 families in 2014, ranking them the number one team in Alabama, according to a report by the Wall Street Journal. And she's a CEO coach with Corcoran Consulting, um, thus the, the Barbara Corcoran tie-in that I was mentioning earlier. And I was just on your website, uh, which is amandahowardrealestate.com and I was watching a video where Barbara was was giving you props and saying if you're buying property in Huntsville, Alabama, you've got to buy from Amanda Howard. So that, that's pretty cool to see.
0: Thanks. And the funny thing is actually Barbara Corcoran and Corcoran Coaching and Consulting are not – they're two different individuals, which I was confused about it when I first met them as well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, wow. it doesn't sound like a common name, but hey, they're both – Pretty high up in advising people on real estate, both of them.
1: Not even related? No, Not even Bob like third cousins? or
0: Brenda Corcoran. And I was like, Barbara Corcoran, I'm sorry. And the funny thing is his wife is Brenda as well. So just to make it even more confusing.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. What do you do as a CEO coach of this imposter Corcoran consultant? I'm kidding about the imposter part. But what, what is that exactly?
0: What they do is they help real estate teams or individuals in whatever they want to do. For the level they have me in of coaching is there's groups or teams that they get pretty good at what they're doing, but they still don't know how to run their business as a business because they've just been independent agents or contractors for so long. And so Bob has me go in and help certain groups that are ready for that transition. They've now grown enough that they need a structure away from it being a team into an actual corporation and start running it as a CEO.
1: Got it. Okay. And in addition to all of that, she also invests in residential, primarily residential real estate. But then she's recently started, I think you said dabble, but when you buy a commercial property that's 11,000 square feet, I wouldn't consider that dabbling. I don't know if you said dabble, but I like <laughs> I it was something close dabble. to dabble. Yeah. Right, I think you right. might have said dabble.
0: That was valid I shouldn't have
1: said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're we're going to talk about that too and your investing experience and career and and your advice and all that good stuff. But before we do that, really quick non-real estate related but interesting about Amanda. She has been married for 21 Purely blissful years, right? Every one of those days, yeah, days, minutes, seconds have been just (laughs) pure bliss. But you've been married 21 years. Congratulations. And you have two girls who are 11 and 13. So congrats on that, too. Thank you. Well, Amanda, with that being said, now that we've kind of set the foundation for the Best Ever listeners, do you want to give the Best Ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on right now?
0: Sure. My background... As you said, it is in real estate. I, what I did is I started in Chicago, uh, decided to only get my real estate license, but really was only there a couple of years. So it was enough to get my license and start going to classes, additional courses and training sessions that helped me get a really strong foundation and understanding of real estate before I was able to dive into it too deep. We then were transferred to Jupiter, Florida, which is our hometown. My husband's in my hometown. We moved back there for another twelve months and we're able to I got my broker's license in Florida because I you know, what else was I gonna do? I jumped right back into real estate and then started to actually work with some investors right away, even though my plan was just to stay in residential real estate. So I did help residential real estate purchasers and sellers, but I did have investor clients pretty quick and I really enjoyed working with them. However, like I said, I was only there for twelve months and then we picked up and moved with my, at that time, two-month-old and two-year-old to Huntsville, Alabama. And so I got my broker's license here in Huntsville, and we didn't know anyone here in this area. And very quickly, um, just with sheer determination, and I am horrible at being a stay-at-home mom, I was in the car constantly beating the streets, knocking on everyone's doors, seeing what I could obtain to to make some money and, and gain my career or cement my foundation here and after uh, my second year of being here I had sold in that second year 72 homes I was doing that myself my husband joined me to start working on the back-end systems of helping me actually have systems create databases my website and put together programs that would help me better maintain our clientele and Candy who is still actually with me today I think you met her or spoke with her a couple times She was my first employee, and she was starting as as assisting me, and we grew from there. That was in 2005, and it it just took off so that in 2009, we, well, 2008, I take a step back, we were doing with, at that time, five agents. We were doing 70% of the entire office's business out of 94 agents. So we realized we had to take a step out of that office and start our own, which is where we started Amanda Howard Real Estate in November of two thousand nine. And then here we are today. It's been about six years. As you mentioned, we just closed over five hundred properties or served five hundred families is how we, we talk about that. And we've been able to what I did is that is different from everyone else here in, in our area, where most companies are broker centric companies which means you just have as many agents as you can, understanding based off of numbers, P&Ls, if every head or every agent is valued at three to five closings, which the average agent is, then some need 70 agents in their office to make sense and others need 200 in their office to be able to start making, turning a profit. With my model, uh, we chose to go a completely different route. I wanted it to be a team-centered company, which means I brought in all the leads and I had all the extremely well-trained support team. And so I would only take the best of the best in our agents, train them with, we have coaching for them three to four days a week, and they're, our average agent in our office sells 28 homes a year. And so because of that, we don't have the challenges other agents do where you know you, they may run into legal issues if they're not as well-trained, as well as they're all very profitable, and It's made us one of the fastest growing companies. Well, I guess we are the fastest growing company in Alabama when it comes to real estate teams. We just made the number one list. We're number one in Alabama and the number four in the nation. But I think it's 42. Candy was in the air shot. We're number 42 in the nation.
1: (laughs) Congratulations on that. And I think there's two different paths that I'd like to take with this conversation based on your experience and what you've said so far. One is how after moving to Huntsville, you're able to close on 72 homes the second year. And then separately, I'd like to talk about your investing experience and the single family homes that you invest in and the commercial stuff. So first, let's talk about the meteoric rise that you had you said you didn't know anybody in Huntsville Alabama Correct. and you were in your car constantly beating the streets as you said and then the second year I mean 72 homes a year I did the math on my calculator on my my phone calculator while you're talking that's 20 that's closing a home every 20 days yes. in the second year of being in a city that where you didn't know anybody specifically how did you do that
0: that was by being just An idiot that didn't know any better of what I shouldn't (laughs) be doing. (laughs) Uh, Because though I did go through a bunch of real estate classes, the funny thing is when I moved here to Huntsville, Alabama, it's a good old boy club, which I was not aware of. And I was not allowed to participate in the board activities because I was a newbie and they really didn't want me around. So I just did what I knew that I needed to do from all the past classes. Every class I went to, Brian Buffini, if you go to any of them, they say, Go out and talk to everyone you know. You need to speak to 10 to 20 people a day. So I did that. And since I would run out of people to talk to at Walmart or Publix <laughs> or the gas station, and I couldn't afford Starbucks, then I would just start going and knocking on doors of people who were for sale by owner. And then also, instead of calling people who were expired, I would go and start driving and knocking on their doors because I had a, we're in the South. People with, could be rude and hang up on me if I call them, but face-to-face, they feel obliged to have to talk to you for a minute.
1: Let's talk about the Walmart and Publix thing. <laughs> You've just entered Walmart, or hell, maybe you haven't even entered Walmart, you're already talking to people. How do you approach those conversations?
0: It would just be purchasing one or two things and t- getting in the longest line possible. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a pack of gum. People will talk.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Seriously? Yes. (laughs) Oh, I love this. (laughs) You would go to Walmart. Would you strategically go during like after work so that there's more people or what do you do? Oh,
0: I talked to a lot of moms because at that time I had a two-month-old and a two-year-old and another one of the things they say never do is don't bring your kids on appointments. Well, I didn't have a babysitter. I couldn't afford one. (laughs) So I had them with me. So, I mean, there was always, you know, formula I'd have to buy or some baby food or little snacks that they needed to eat in the car. And people, everybody loves babies. So they pinched their cheeks. They talked to me. The kids were great. Except for <laughs> once, I did have one kind of embarrassing scenario when I was at a listing appointment. And I had them both with me because one of them was just not quite trained enough to wipe herself.
1: <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so she came out and asked for help. And I just told them, you know, I could either leave you here while I go take care of her and you finish signing up. Or if you have more questions, I can stay here and I'll just tell her to hold on a minute. <laughs> and it worked. I said, "No whole we'll sign." You go take care of her.
1: <laughs> when you have that conversation, what's your outcome? What are you ultimately trying? Is it just trying to talk to ten people and checking a box, or is it getting an email address and phone number, or is like what are you doing?
0: It was finding out about them and what their interests are in life. And when you talk to people about what's interesting to them. They will eventually lead you to their family or what they want to gain in life, which the biggest dream of homeowner is in America is homeownership. So if somebody didn't have a home, and I always had my name tag on, so eventually the conversation is going to go to, you know, I've always wanted to own a home, but I just don't think that I've got the credit to be able to do that. It then gave me the opportunity to then talk to them about, well, how much are you paying in rent and go down the story a little backwards to get them to see, because almost everybody, I'd say, Seven out of ten people that told me they couldn't afford to buy a home because they, couldn't, they didn't have enough credit, I was able to figure out how they could actually purchase a home because they were paying enough in rent and maybe they didn't know how to, to build credit or they had enough credit. They just were, you know, just unaware.
1: You kind of slid something in there that I want to ask about. You said you always had your name tag on. Mm-hmm. What do you mean?
0: Oh, I had my name said Amanda Howard and that I realtor. And the company that I was with at that time. So, And I I did that forever, even as I opened Amanda Howard Real Estate. It still says Amanda Howard, CEO, broker, Amanda Howard Real Estate. It's a little redundant, but...
1: It's a name tag that you just pin on your shirt?
0: Yes. It was just, mine was magnetic, but yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I've, maybe I'm just wacko, but I don't think I've seen that where a real estate agent has a name tag they just wear it everywhere
0: and i have that as one of my coaching sessions and for our newbies as they join our company they all get a name tag i pay for it and they're required to wear it especially wow. when they go to the grocery store or starbucks most of them can afford starbucks
1: if they can afford starbucks right when
0: they start here they can afford starbucks <laughs> there you go
1: there you go Well let's switch gears because clearly there's some resourceful slash just persistent uh, insights that I want to summarize at the end that you just went over. But I, I'd like to switch gears now to your investing career. And what do you invest in? And why do you invest in it?
0: I invest in real estate because I believe in it. And I believe anybody that who works in real estate and really loves this field as I do, you've got to have such a passion about it that you want to you want to show people that what we reach, we can also live. So because I am, and I did start, like I said, I have specialty divisions in my team. We have a division that is an investment division. And in order to really show these investors what we can do, we need to be doing it ourselves. So several agents in my company, and I also encourage that for them, is I will help them invest if, they, if they're if they scared and don't really know how. But I will even partner with it on their first property just to get them started on that investing. So I just I believe in home ownership and I believe in investing because it's the most solid thing you can do for your
1: financial future. And what specifically do you invest in? You're talking single family homes, and when you look at a single family home, and I know you said commercial, we'll get to that in mm-hmm. a second, but single family homes, what do you look for? What what do the numbers look like? What are the returns that you want to get? Certain areas, like, can you get in some of those details?
0: Yes. we for I like residential. We do invest in some condos, but in this area, this marketplace, they don't uh, convert very well. So I know when I was in Chicago for a little while in Florida, though I didn't invest in them personally, condos and townhouses did great. They just don't in my marketplace. So I mainly focus on residential, especially for somebody who is just starting their portfolio. I want them only focused on residential single family. So, then what I'm looking for on a ROI is that I want 15 to 25%. That's what I was really looking for on our returns.
1: How are you doing based on what you're looking for?
0: We're doing fantastic. Are you talking about how, by running the numbers or? Yep. We look at, well, I, I run the numbers as an appraised value, see what the home is going to be able to sell for. And then one of my tips for your best ever listeners is, Always make your money on the purchase. So that's something I believe and that's something I teach all of our agents as well as our clients. Is When you're buying, you have to have a good plan set in place and know that if you know the actual value, what you can sell this property for with it in mind that you want to beat out the competition, so you want to be a couple dollars less per square foot than the competition, then work that backwards. So I will start with 25% backed out uh, below fair market value, and then back out my closing costs for both when I purchase as well as when I sell. And then if those numbers all make sense and I make that offer, people jump on it and take it, and I know that then I can put whatever's needed. I already have an idea because then again, you always have to have people you use on a regular basis, or you need to call in some good qualified contractors depending what level you're at. And then so that way, you know how much money you need to be putting into it. But most of the time with my properties, I'll go in and I'll just say, you know, I know right off the bat, I need $10,000 to make this house or property flip quick. And so I can run the numbers myself.
1: So are you buying and holding? or Are you uh, flipping? Or are you doing a combination?
0: I'm doing a combination because I do want to grow that, that real estate portfolio that I'm holding. However, some of the properties, and also there's times where I will, as we are the last week or two of finishing it up, I may go ahead and throw it on the market, put it for sale sign in the yard, just to see if it grabs anyone. And if not, we'll at the same time have it at the lease. If it sells quick and I'm able to make the profit margin I want to on it, I'll do that because I've had some really great success with that as well.
1: And you mentioned you recently got a commercial Property eleven thousand square feet. What is it? Is it office? Is it retail?
0: It is it's office space. If we use the downstairs, we could have used as retail, but I'm taking up the retail space. I'm moving we grew out of the building we're currently in, so I purchased that for us to be able to move our real estate company into the downstairs and then we already have the upstairs leased out. And we'll continue to do
1: that. Who's leasing the upstairs?
0: We have a dance studio and an architect who is upstairs right now. They're taking up four spaces.
1: Ah, uh, the traditional combo of dance studio and architect <laughs> yeah. share, sharing the building. It's <laughs> so typical, so cliche.
0: Yeah. <laughs> if we get stressed, maybe we'll go upstairs and dance. I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, ho- hopefully the stress isn't caused by all the dancing that's above.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I did double check. They got raised. And it's cement in between.
1: It's an amazingly well built building. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So you're you purchased that for your, your company and you're leasing it. How did would you go about finding the architect in the dance studio? And did you purchase it without having those two tenants in place? I
0: purchased it with them both being
1: in place. They're already leasing yes, or they're already you-
0: leasing. And the the thing I like about it so much is another key point when we're buying commercial, since I'm dabbling in this right now, what I'm noticing is if you can purchase somewhere near a Walmart or a, I mean, even Starbucks is starting to get to the point of being a hub. But if you can get to the point of being near someplace that has a lot of traffic, foot traffic especially going by, then it's going to be a purchase that can you can rent out quickly. So even with our dance studio and this firm, if they didn't leave or if they didn't stay, I've already had a handful of people on hand who said they would love to lease our building if people move out. Because we're right next. We're actually kind of sandwiched between our main mall in our town and Walmart. Walmart's big here in the South.
1: Walmart's big everywhere. <laughs> well, yeah. And- that's one thing I look at as well whenever I'm looking for looking at a, a multifamily property is how far away is the Walmart, how far away is the, the McDonald's, um, but now it's Chipotle. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's true. How far away is the Starbucks and when were they built? Because that gives me a sense of you know when the people who are a lot smarter than me in the boardrooms have identified this as an area for growth and opportunity. And uh, if, if they're, you know, relatively new, then it's, it's great because, you know, kind of getting ahead of the rush and if they've been established for 15 to 20 years, then in my mind, it's more of an established area and I'd I need to take a look at it and, and see if there is what type of growth looks like and, you know, if, if it's still projected to grow or, or what the deal is.
0: Yeah, great points. All
1: right, Amanda, what is your best real estate investing advice ever?
0: I would say um, my best is networking because it's not about what you know, it's who you know. And I feel like I'm kind of the poster child for that because I really feel like I was just a dummy when I moved over here and just didn't know so many things. But I jumped into networking so quickly, um, not only by just talking to people in grocery store lines, but anywhere that I saw I could network with, anyone I could jump into to some kind of event, chambers, I really tied into the chamber very quickly. It just allows you to network with so many people that will help you just because you ask and because you're nice. And then as you do start to understand what you need to know, really, educated-wise, now it still is not what you know because people don't care what you know. They want to know who you know or what you can do for them. So networking has just been my, my niche and the, what I've been really good at for a while now. And i sorry that that's not just the one thing, but that is really important because you'll find some of the best financial advisors or institutions that you can use. You'll find great contractors that way. You'll find investors who will use you. I also mentioned buy low, or actually, I guess I didn't. I probably said just make your money on your buy, but that's the same thing for me is buy low so that you can make that money with the plan in place. And then, of course, you're going to sell a little low, but that's all in your initial plan that you're planning up
1: front. You mentioned uh, people, this is, I think it's a really powerful statement, people want to know who you know and what you can do for them, not necessarily how much you know. I agree with that. And when you're meeting people for the first time at, in this case, or in the case when you first came to Huntsville and you tied into the Chamber of Commerce quickly, and you're meeting the the people at Walmart or Publix or wherever, Mm -hmm. how are you able to identify what you can do for them other than helping them buy a home or sell a home? Or is that the main direction that you, you send them down or that you take them down with your value proposition?
0: When I first started, that was the main value proposition because that was the only... Well, I take that back. That was not the only thing, but it was always based around real estate because I couldn't offer advice with credit repair or how to build credit properly. I could advise them of how to even start credit. Some of them didn't know how to actually gain any kind of good credit. I helped with staging, how to get the house ready. I offered free advice for, for sale by owners even on what to do to protect themselves and how to stage the exterior of the home, as well as the interior of the home with the opportunity that they would interview me when they got sick of dealing with the crap we all know that they would have to deal with. And so that was my initial proposition and which was quite a bit. That was a lot of offerings for many people that opened all those doors for me. Sure. Then as I got to know people and very quickly became known as the local expert, I started going on the radio and, I was asked to do different things because I was sincerely looking to help other people. They, in turn, started helping me as well, get my foot in many, many doors that were great for me. And because I knew them, it just continued to, to go on. As I knew more people, they may need a connection for they're relocating here. And they didn't know somebody in the marketing industry. And they had a spouse who was in the marketing industry, so I would happen to know all the people who had really great marketing companies in town because I was so tightly involved with the chamber. And so I was able to help them get a foothold in or meet the right people. And that happened in so many circumstances that probably ended up being my next niche was able to just connect people to people they needed to know or say they had Down syndrome children and they needed to know where a place was that they could go for a special ed school and be able to network with other parents who have children with handicaps. So you just never know where that path's going to take you. It just keeps developing.
1: Have you read the book, How to Be a Power Connector by Judy Robinette? Oh, I've
0: not. I didn't
1: write that down. Yeah, well, you're living and breathing it, but you might pick up a couple more tips. She's been a guest on the show. It was voted, or I don't know about voted, but it was recognized as the top business book of 2014 And she talks about how to reach the unreachables and basically how to give first, similar to your philosophy. And Bob Berg has also been a guest on the show. He wrote the book, The Go-Giver. And it's just a, a very similar philosophy. You'd enjoy both of those.
0: Oh, thank you. I took those down.
1: All right. Well, you ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. Okay. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Crowdfunding. You've heard about it. Now it's time for you to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor today, Patch of Land, they're the leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to all of your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D dot com forward slash best ever. Amanda, what's the best ever book you've read? Speaking of books.
0: Uh, the Compound Effect by Darren Hardy is by far my favorite. I keep reading it over and over again. But I, a tie is Just Listen by Mark Golston. Um, it really helped me in negotiating and understanding people's needs, what they needed to hear. Actually, it's how they needed to be heard.
1: <laughs> Best ever personal growth experience and what you learn from it?
0: That would be moving here to Huntsville, a place that I did not know anyone. And I just never met so many people who told me I couldn't do what I was doing. And so it just, it gave me more drive because I'm just one of those people who tells me, if they tell me I can't do something, I'm certainly going to do it to show them wrong. Uh, so that was not having anything handed to me and really having to work for it, especially through a, a down market in 2005 and six, as many know, was horrible. And I moved here in 2004. <laughs> so 2005 and six was when I was building up and when I was doing really well. And it was because I fought for every single penny and every single deal.
1: What's the best ever deal you've done, speaking of those deals?
0: The best ever deal, if you're talking about financially, for me, the most rewarding was this first, my very first commercial purchase, because it was mine and it was exciting and it's brand new and I learned a lot from it. But it's, you know, it's probably going to forever be close to my heart. And now it's made me want to do more commercial deals. So this one, 10,000, or I'm sorry, 11,000 square feet for 1.1 million and it was a great deal. But if it's best ever financial, like something I made turned over, we've had a couple really close ones, but the best one was that I purchased a house, planned on just doing a reface to an uplift, or I call it a facelift on it. (laughs) I knew I was going to make, I had a potential of 30,000, but I was really in my mind thinking probably 25 based off of closing costs and maybe holding costs a little bit. Somebody came in the week before I purchased it and wanted to purchase it the day I closed on it. And so I made a full 30,000 same day that I closed on the property.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Without having to lift a finger other than to sign the yeah. contract, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's great.
0: <laughs> it was stayed in the same room and just signed two sets of papers.
1: Deal. Best ever project you're most excited about right now?
0: What oh, is for sure this commercial building. Having something that's my own since I just, you know, when I've opened my own real estate company, I was scared. Didn't think I could do it or was nervous about, you know, will I, I always believed I could do it. But you have that nagging feeling in the back of your of am I doing the right thing? And I have all these people relying on me. So to have it to the point that we're so successful that we're able to be debt free, purchase our first building and be able to go in and I get to decorate it with my own style and my own spin on it. and create what I want on technology, which we're bringing a lot of new technology to this this marketplace. I'm really excited about that, so I'm very passionate about that, and I'm loving arguing with the contractors, saying, you can't do that, we don't do cement sinks in Huntsville, Alabama. Oh, come! On. yes you do, we will, we will be the first ones, but believe me, Nashville, Tampa, everybody else has cement sinks, <laughs> so I'm having a lot of fun with that.
1: I heard you say debt-free. Does that mean that you didn't put financing on this or that you were at a place where you were able to finance it based on your debt-free nature?
0: We were able to finance this. We do have debt on, but I consider it positive debt. Yes, we had our real estate company to the point of being debt-free three years ago. So we were just, you know, we accrue the, the monthly debt with all of our service systems, but pay them off at the end of every month. So that was pretty exciting. That for the last three years we've been a debt-free company. Uh, now we have the building, but because of the lease amount that we're paying right now, once we're able to take air, get rid of the lease, move into the building, it's going to be phenomenal for our profit and loss statements.
1: And how does that work from a entity structure standpoint? Do you own the building, or does the company own the building, and? Pay rent to itself, or does the company pay rent to you as the owner? How does that work?
0: We have a separate LLC for the holding of the commercial building as an investment. So, and then my company, AHRE, is going to pay rent to that LLC.
1: Got it. What's the best ever way you like to give back?
0: I like to give back to local charities. The biggest ones that are just close to my heart, just because we just I dealt with them in the last couple of days, is a National Children's Advocacy Center. It was started here in Madison County, but it does go nationally. It takes care of um, children who have been subject to child abuse, as well as our local servicemen and women with our police officers, our firefighters, our military. We're constantly wanting to do what we can to support them, thank them for all that they're doing for us. And then, of course, there's the local schools and, and other local charities. We probably are d- contributing, I was going to say once a month, but really it's probably every couple weeks, there is somebody who needs something that we're giving to. Oh, and there was a home that was, if somebody loses their home, I think that stops our entire office. And that did, we did have a family who whose home burnt down a couple weeks ago, and everybody's been gathering what they can to to just send them clothes, food, and right now cash just so that they can get those necessities put together.
1: Out of all of your experience, what is the biggest mistake you've made in real estate?
0: There's really two that re- that just hit me immediately. The first one is read the contracts very, very carefully and make sure you're thinking of everything you can possibly that could come up. One thing I recently did have just a just this past month was I purchased a home that had tenants in it and They had a property management company, but I have my own property management company. I, thankfully, I wanted them to release the deposits over to me and all that happened at the closing table was not brought up ahead of time. That should have, because depending on your state, there's laws that say you can or cannot do things like that. So in our state of Alabama, the tenants couldn't just sign over that deposit to me so that I could manage the property it had to go to another property management company, which then is an added expense. Thankfully for me, I, I have a piece of a property management company that helped. But if somebody were in a different situation, that would be very frustrating that then you're hit with another expense that was not planned for. And then my second one is just don't do things yourself. I thought it would be a very good learning experience for me to, to go in and paint and replace hardware and do things that I could do so I could see what it felt like and save some money. And it all it did was end up sending me to the chiropractor, and <laughs> had to have the paint job redone because I'm terrible at it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll never forget whenever my brother um, asked me to help him sand his wood floors, and they oh. bought a like an industrial sander, or pol- I don't really, really even know like a polisher or sander, but it looks like a gigantic rectangle that you just move across the floor and it's like half as tall as I am, and me with, I had a a lawn care company whenever I was in high school. It's called J&J Lawns. Me and my buddy Jeff, Joe and Jeff, J&J Lawns, and I just, I approach the sanding like I did mowing. I just do it in sections. And I would just, I would just, I would just do like certain rectangles and triangles and I just section off each part of the the floor and (laughs) (laughs) apparently you're supposed to go with the grain or again, I don't know, but I didn't do it right. Uh, And it ended up costing a decent amount of money and it will never be, I will never do that again. Um, And they will never allow me to do that again. sure. So I, I hear you on that. <laughs> no,
0: just hire the professionals.
1: Just hire the professionals. And Amanda, lastly, what's the best ever place to reach you?
0: They can visit us online at amandahowardrealestate.com or they can give us a call at 256-799-9000. And we've got a, an excellent investment division here. So we've got people standing by just to help on these particular questions.
1: Awesome. So you've got some properties in Huntsville that you think would be good for real estate investors, in particular kind of single to one to four unit properties?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, we have one to four unit properties, as well as what we have been doing is any properties that we can see that may be around 125 and below. We've even been doing our best to cluster them for investors who want to come in and just purchase, maybe put $3,000 into a group project then we're able to, to put that together for them.
1: What do you mean by that?
0: We have a lot of properties. Like I said, the residential resells very quickly and very easily. So if somebody has a clump of money, but they don't have the time, they want something that's a little more turnkey, then we can go ahead and identify five properties for them and because we're constantly keeping our eye out. We know the, the properties that can sell and they can make 15 to 20% on right away. So we can package that for them so that they can go ahead and do that purchase. We already have the amount that we know that would have to be put into it or they're ready to go and they could go ahead and start because some people want to hold them. So they'll want a $2 million hold in residential property and we can put them right with the property management company and it's managed.
1: Got it. Well, thank you, Amanda, for being on the show and sharing your advice and talking about how you... Just started in Huntsville, not knowing anyone and then making friends in the, the grocery store line and at Walmart, buying a pack of gum, using your babies as as a way to build your business <laughs> in every case but one. And having uh, your name tag always on. Just a story of, of just getting out there and, and making it happen, speaking to 10 to 20 people a day and... Uh, learning about their interests in life, learning about people's interests and eventually that leads to families and where you know the families lead to is ultimately where they live, which is a natural kind of uh, path for you to take. and then the you'd mentioned people want to know who you know and what you can do for them, not necessarily what you know. and I believe that and some of the things that you do to help others. and I think it's great that you've, Identified a lot of different areas that you can kind of get in there based on how the conversation uh, flows from staging to if they're set on for sale by owner, then helping them um, with some questions from credit repair to even relocation help in certain industries. If you know, if they need, as, as your example said, someone in marketing, then you know who to talk to and who to connect them to. Just a, a wonderful conversation from an entrepreneurship standpoint, and then also your commercial building and you dabbling in the. 11,000 square foot commercial building with People Tap and above you and and then building, drawing up other buildings above you as well. And congratulations on that purchase. Uh, sounds like there will be more purchases similar to that in the future. I can tell from your voice that that is something that has caught your attention and i can tell also anything that catches your attention gets acted on so i'm i'm looking forward to hearing more about that in the future too so nice to meet you looking forward to staying in touch we'll talk to you soon
0: i appreciate it thanks joe